When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. is so bad it's good with ryan bailey the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate from the classic reality tv moments of the past and present to the latest daily mail headlines and everything in between we'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching i'm looking at you Jax taylor i'm your host ryan bailey
Welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. What's up, baddies? This is uh, this is your Thursday episode. Um, listen, <laughs> yeah, I did watch Vanderpump Rules tonight. And as you know, we recapped that show on Friday. And I want people to know that I have a deep rage inside me, as always. And I, I read somebody's comment today. was like, will you do the recap tonight so you can keep that rage? And I was like, don't worry. That rage is always there. It's going to be stronger on Friday. Trust me. You always have to see what news breaks overnight because not only is it a recap pod, now I'm doing part one and part two on Fridays. So part one, I want to assure you, is going to be a full reenactment. I will be using my theater degree training from Arizona State University to do a full Howie Mandel Thandaval. Uh Howie, I'm four days sober right now, so I'm thinking pretty clearly right now. Would you shave my stash? No, so I'm gonna be. I I did a, like a 20 minute, uh, you know, thoughts on Wednesday's episode. Which, by the way, wasn't Wednesday's episode great? Wasn't Lauren Clayton great? I got so many good comments about her. I can't wait to have her back on. And we have an equally amazing guest today. But uh, I will be doing a full reenactment. It's not going to be my thoughts. It's going to be a lot. Well, I mean, it'll be my thoughts, but it'll also be the actual dialogue. Plus, we need to talk about Jackson Brittany coming back uh, to Peacock to watch Vanderpump Rules. I'll explain more about that. Uh, we'll have a couple clips from Tom and Ariana themselves from when I interviewed them on the week of the season premiere. And then part two will be the recap of that mess we saw tonight. And I have so many thoughts and I'm not going to share those right now because come back Friday, folks. Come back Friday. It's going to be something. I was about to say spectacular and I was like, let's just go with something. Let's go with, it'll be something, but I can't wait. I'm so excited to get my feelings out of my body and onto the mic. Um, how are you guys doing? Are you good? Okay, good. Um, so today's guest, awesome. We got Jamie Stein back. He's been on the show a couple of times and I just think he is a true talent. He is an empath and intuitive, but also he's just so damn good. Like, I just love his thoughts. I love how he speaks. I love his podcast, which, by the way, it's called Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I really highly recommend to go listen to his first episode he did on this topic, Scandaval. I mean, it's the only topic he's done because he hasn't released one in a month. And Jamie, if you're listening, I'm holding you. You got to start releasing. But he's just really talented. Unfortunately, or fortunately for him, he's got a whole other life going on outside of this. But I just think he's such a clear voice. And this week, I've been trying to highlight clearer voices on this topic. 
Now, every other piece of information that comes out, it gets me angrier and angrier. So I was trying to get people on like Lauren yesterday and Jamie today, who I talked to last week, to kind of think about these and try to reframe our thoughts and try to to direct the discourse, maybe not in a healthier manner, manner but something that we could be proud of, something that was in stuck in the muck and the mire and the garbage and all of that stuff. Um, and he, he did this brilliantly as always. And I just love people that kind of view things from that whole, from, from, from the 360, from everything he views every, and I, I, I like people that don't, um, that aren't just purely talking from an anger level, which is what I do a lot. And I'm not bad-mouthing myself. I, I truly am not. Um, but I think it's important to have people on um, that can reframe these discussions in a different way. And that's why I really was dying to have Jamie back on again. Now, um, let me tell you a couple things really quickly. Uh, just a real quick mom update. I can't – you know, it's like I get I get in trouble with my mom if I say too much. And I have – you know, it's all it's such a tricky thing when somebody that you're close to is sick. And, and especially a lot of people don't – a lot of people, they don't have a podcast to like blab about uh, what's going on with their family's health. First off, I do want to say, though, shout out to Meditza Lopez, who I work with. Her mom, Debbie, killed it in surgery. So all your thoughts and vibes and prayers and all that worked. She is fully recovering. She's uh, she's sucking on popsicles. She watched the Scandal interview with Howie Mandel. And I was like, Meditza, don't ever watch that. That's going to make her feel way worse. Somehow she survived that as well, which I think possibly was more painful than the surgery itself. But quick update about my mom is that, you know, my mom always tells me, uh, and it, it, she tells me to the point that it's annoying. Um, there's always something to be thankful for. She has drilled that into me as a kid, and she drills that into me every day still. There's always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. And you can see, as I said that three times in a row, that can get annoying. But when your mom tells you that, you kind of, you listen a little harder. And there really is always something to be thankful for. And uh, listen, uh, you know, we stopped, uh, I'm not going to, we stopped chemo, but she had, she has to have a couple of days of radiation to try to alleviate some pain. And the first day of that went kick ass. And that is all, you know, just those little small victories, right? Those small victories for all of us, my mom, your mom, any of us. We just need small victories, and hopefully that can lead to something big. So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to uh, say that, that it was a really good day. Also, a good day personally healthy for me, too, is that um, I don't know if you guys remember this. About a month and a week ago, or no, got a month and a half ago, it was literally the week before Scandaball. I was a presenter at Watch What Crappens at their live show at the Wiltern. By the way, I was sitting right next to Ariana that night. It was a blast of a night. But if you were listening to the podcast, I, you know, being old, I literally took a step. I didn't even fall. I just took a step and my knee completely gave out. And I was limping that entire night and I re-injured my ACL. Now, 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it really has been in such deep pain ever since. I don't have great insurance. So I got this x-ray. They didn't order an MRI. They ordered an x-ray for some stupid reason. But I have injured my knee so many times. I've torn my ACL, my meniscus. Blah, blah, blah. So I finally got approval about, you know, got a... M- I guess it was like a month ago. So a month ago, a couple of weeks after I injured this, that's how slow the uh, the approval process goes with my insurance company. The doctor was like, yeah, man, you uh, you re- you completely messed up your ACL. You need to get knee surgery. And they were like, he was like, why didn't you get a uh, MRI? I was like, um, because I got referred to you. They And he was like, you need to get an MRI. You need to get... And my insurance company decided not to cover it. And I was like, oh, this is insane. I'm just going to be on a bum knee for the rest of my life, which was like, okay, well, I'm a podcaster. That's going to be okay. I don't play sports. But then it was one of those things that was really painful. And I actually weirdly enjoy hiking. And I was like, oh, I can't move at all. I can't, like, I can barely walk. Imagine me walking up a hill. But anyways, today, the good news was that I did something I don't usually do is that I called my insurance company and I fought them on something. I had a little bit of my mom, my little Becky Bailey spirit. And I really, I didn't ream them, but I was just like, why is this? Why is that? And you guys, this afternoon, I got word that it worked and I got approval for an MRI and potentially surgery. I don't even know why I'm this excited for potential surgery, but I am because that's what you get a kick out of when you get older is your body working. All you young kids listening right now, thank the good Lord for your knees. Thank the good Lord for your digestive system. Thank the good Lord for everything that is working on you. Thank the good Lord for the relationship that you're in, especially if it is not Tom Sandoval that it's with. Thank the good Lord for all of that. And there's always something to be thankful for. Okay, that is the little Bailey corner. Um, Okay, so Jamie Stein, guest today. I do want to warn you of this, is that there is a low-level static uh, at certain places in this interview and I, it, it, you know, it, it, we stopped it a couple of times to try to fix it. And it was not something that we, like, I could hear it on my end. Jamie couldn't hear it on his end. But it was when he spoke. I want to be very honest with you about this. Um, I could not correct that problem entirely. So I want you to know that I am aware of it. And I want you to also know that Jamie is a genius. And the things that he is saying in this I think are more brilliant than any static. So it points, and I hate to point this out to you, even though I think you would notice anyways, but I don't want to ever treat you like you're dumb, is that you're going to hear that. And it's going to be potentially annoying. Like I would be chewing with a mouthful of food. And I know some people don't like that. Some people do. And you guys are freaks. No, but I want to let you know that. But I also want to let you know that try to get past that because this guy's a brilliant dude. And everything that he is saying is kind of dead on. And I just really enjoy talking to the dude. He's going to be on the show a lot. I mean, he's going to be on the show many times over the next couple of years if he's willing. But I just think he's a true talent. So let's get to this interview. And also just prepare yourselves because Friday it is. I'm going to expl- I'm going to Vanderpump rules all over this broadcasting platform. I am going to pump it up. So tell your friends, Friday, it's going down, part one, part two, and I hope you're having a good week. Just remember, if you're listening to this now, you are a day away from glory. 
the weekend. So here he is, the one and only from the podcast Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, Jamie Stein. It's good. Today we have a returning guest to the podcast. Now, I I already love this dude, but I was re-listening to one of his podcast episodes from a couple of weeks ago and uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this uh Vanderpump Rules thing, this <laughs> this Sandoval Ariana thing. Um and you guys know, you know, I shoot from and especially with this situation, there's a lot of anger tied up in it for me because I really idolized uh, Tom Sandoval in this way uh, that I sometimes will attach myself to a male that I think is like superhuman and is like, you know, really doing everything and firing on all cylinders. So there's a lot of anger towards myself because I really had this wild man crush on Tom Sandoval. Um, so I will sometimes come at it from this angry kind of semi-humorous point of view, uh, but I was re-listening to our next guest's uh, podcast. It was released a couple of weeks ago, actually. It's an hour and 45 minutes, but this is like a banger of a podcast. This goes in from such a different angle because our next guest is an intuitive and an empath. Um, and he takes a psycho-spiritual look at like Real Housewives, Vanderpump Rules, all of it. But what I what I keep coming back to is in the intro uh, of his podcast on Sandoval, he was talking about holding space for everybody. Is that, you know, even, you know, like I think this is an abhorrent thing that these two people did, and especially against somebody that a lot of us really love, Ariana, but to hold space. So, you know, he has this gift where he's able to drop in on people and kind of like explain it in a different way or be able to look at it from a different angle. And I'm always game to look at something from a different angle because I I genuinely like trying to understand. And we've got an expert with us that I think can help us potentially understand a little bit better. So if you have not subscribed or listened to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, I need you to do that right now. You can start at the March 18th episode entitled Scandaval. I'm telling you, you are this is something very different that you're not going to get with a lot of our other podcasts uh, of us you know, out here doing our thing, which I love too, but this was so refreshing to listen to. And so we are so uh, honored to have him back with us today. So Jamie Stein from Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Ryan. It's so fun and exciting to be here with you. Um, now, Jamie, Jamie's funny because I don't really, I'm kind of a hermit and Jamie's one of the only people that will text me to be like, Hey, do you want to go to Schwartz and Sandy's? Um, and I'm like, and by the way, before this, I was like, heck yeah, I'm back and forth in Arizona a lot, but I definitely want to do that. And Jamie, I don't know if we're going to do Schwartz and Sandy's now. I'm not sure. Well, we can, but by the way, I am a hermit too. So it is not a common thing that I uh, send out texts as such, but I feel like, you know, I wanted to go to Schwartz and Sandy's and uh, I enjoy connecting with you and it felt like a perfect fit, but um, I feel like we could go to something about her if you want to. That could yeah, be yes, our... let's go enjoy a sandwich and then we can walk <laughs> down to Sir, the Abbey, Tom Tom. There's so many places to choose from where we can get a beverage. Well, um, wait, Tom Tom is the same thing as going to Schwartz and Sandy's. So if, if well, Schwartz and but, Sandy's... But, but, <laughs> Kind of, Jamie, but it, the more you watch the show, the more you realize how little they have to do with Tom Tom, that they're figureheads, if anything. And right. uh, um, I mean, so can you explain to the people that have not heard you on this before or don't listen to your podcast a little bit about your gift and what you do? Because you don't only just do this podcast. This is like a full time job. You are actually you're out there working with people in the field, boots on the ground. How do you describe to a newcomer what you do? Or what your gift the, is. Yeah, I mean, the, the concise way that I explain it is that I have an ability to drop into people's unconscious landscapes um, and to 
bring into consciousness any blocks they may have to the things they want in life. So if you are someone who subscribes to the idea that we're co-creating our own realities and that everything outside of us is in some way either a reflection of our internal landscape or somehow an invitation for us to get to know ourselves better in this lifetime, um, it stands to reason then that there's something in us that has an investment in everything that we're creating, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So what I'm able to do is to drop underneath that conscious layer into the unconscious, into the part of you that might be saying no to romance, no to financial abundance, no to creative flow, and where that comes from in you and why. And then by bringing it into the into the light of consciousness, we can support you to work with it and to sort of go towards whatever your work is to do again in this lifetime to create the things that you want. Now you actually do this with real people, but it's gotta be like a playground to then take these abilities and start talking about housewives or Vanderpump rules characters, because I believe it's such a, a rich playground in, in, in ways to drop in on these really extreme personalities. And then also to then walk an audience through, you know, this, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm sensing underneath this. This is what the force that I feel. Um, I, I mean, do you, I mean, is that why you're drawn to reality television is because of the extreme characters? Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this before, but this all unfolded so organically. I never had a plan. I was never like, okay, let me figure out my niche to use, you know, a business uh, business schooling <laughs> lingo. And okay, I'm going to be the empath who does the real housewife. <laughs> it was never. Could you imagine if that was your path? Like, could you imagine if that was like, I knew this 15 years ago that I would be an empath talking about reality television. Yeah. Well, it's working for, I mean, it's a brilliant business strategy. I just can't take credit for it because I didn't consciously design it. I mean, it really was just by virtue of having a chance encounter with Casey Wilson at a coffee shop. She invited me on a bit sesh unbeknownst to me because she was touched by our, I gave her an intuitive message when I ran into her. I said, Hey, yeah. I listen to Bit Sesh. I'm a big fan. I have an intuitive message for you if you want to hear it. She did. She was touched by it. She brought me on to Bit Sesh and was like, give us your reads on the Housewives. From that, people just started following me. And then I started getting invited onto other podcasts. And from that, I had people <laughs> saying, you should have your own podcast. When are you going to have your own podcast? So I just kind of kept showing up to what was here. So I do like to clarify, I never intended this and I didn't quite know why it was happening. Now, having said that, now that I'm in it, what I'm learning about it, what I love about it is that yes, to me, it's a very fun, accessible and unpretentious way to get into really deep psycho-spiritual issues. And I think what's amazing to me and what I love about it and what I'm grateful for is that I can literally create content where I'm just talking about Luann Delaseps or Ashley Darby or Scandaval. And then the messages that I get from people being like, by listening to your podcast, I'm learning about myself. I'm learning I have the right to take up space. I'm learning I have the right to my anger. I've never been to therapy, but I kind of, you know, realize X, Y, and Z about myself. So for me, I'm kind of like, this just feels like such a perfect fit because I am a pop culture fan. I do love reality TV. I love storytelling. I hate pretentiousness. So to be able to talk about these shows and I think find a deeper meaning in them, which look, I get not everyone, that's not everyone's bag of chips, which is great. But what I do know now from doing what I do is there are a lot of very smart, spiritual, sensitive people who do watch these shows 
and I think like to engage with it on that deeper human level. I mean, these are the myths of our time, whether we like it yeah. or not. These are our current myths. And so for me to take something that's in the collective consciousness that gets typically disregarded as trash or shallow and to be able to use it to like navigate these deeper realms and to bring something to people that maybe they wouldn't otherwise be getting, you know, in their lives in terms of their own introspection and navigating their own inner lives. I think it's kind of fun and beautiful. Well, yeah, I mean, you bring up this, I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of our superheroes in a way, you know, I always think about gods and monsters and that, that, you know, you can deviate like superheroes from that, but housewives and reality stars, they're a form of superheroes in, in a Mm -hmm. certain sense. And I, I want to just make a quick detour really quick to, to talk very briefly is that you back in the day even worked on the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I so, just had yeah. Trishel on today and we talked oh. about that because I watched Real World Las Vegas on Netflix. And, you know, I'm not, but like that is a, like I remember you talking about a couple of seasons and I was on your podcast a long time ago talking about one of the Real World Homecoming uh, seasons. And mm-hmm. that was very interesting to even just see the progression of reality television and what we were covering back then and what we're covering now and how it's being covered. You know, like now you go back and watch some of those real world seasons and you're like, this is heavy because it's presented in such a different way than it's presented now on Bravo with the glossiness, even quicker edits than uh, real mm-hmm. world. I mean, do you see that a lot? I mean, it's always just people at the end of the day. But in terms of watching it yourself from your third eye, is it wild to to watch how um I always think it's like reality shows on steroids these days. Do you do you agree with that or do you think it's kind of always been the same? No, no. Oh no, it's evolving for sure. <laughs> first of all, I just want to say, um, isn't Trishel awesome? She, dude, she was. I mean, there, you know, when you talk to somebody and you know this, it's like you can tell when somebody wants to be there, when somebody doesn't want to be there. And that doesn't mean they're mean, but like she was so engaging. She was so fun. She was so game. She, like yeah. I even said, like, listen, you have edit control. I'm, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here for like a gotcha podcast. And she's like, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> ask me anything that you want. And she was just the best. And I, it really filled me up for the rest of the week last week because I I was such a fan of her season in particular and mm-hmm. her. And I had forgotten, like she had reminded me about how much discourse there was even kind of, you know, uh, slut shaming her after that season. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten about how much heat she had gotten. And when you watch it back, it is so tame. And that's why I think even compare it with Scandaball is that I think this is something that kind of shook us again of like how real some of these things are and how intense and the pain that this is causing and the the stuff that mm-hmm. all of these characters are going through, it really snaps you back. Cause sometimes I've been struggling to find the meaning lately, Jamie, and to find mm-hmm. holding space for everybody. Cause everything seems kind of no, I mean, it just seems kind of like a structured reality lately in terms of these right. shows. So this kind of mm-hmm. snapped me out of it. And that's why it was so nice to go back to the real world and go, wow, it, it just made me feel like a kid again, watching these people and watching it before it got the bravofication of reality television. Yeah, it was great because I literally just hung out with her a few months ago in New Orleans. Yeah, and, I told her um, and, and she said, talked about Arissa. She talked about Arissa living with her like you told me. 
I know, literally, Arissa's been living, I mean, Arissa did move out, but yeah, they were living together, and um, it was just, you know, I never knew, I was never close, so I, you know, for, I guess, people at home, for context, I became really close friends with Arissa after working on Real World Vegas, so I've known her for many years now, then I happened to be in New Orleans, and she was staying with Rochelle, so I got the opportunity to hang out with Rochelle, and as someone who worked on that show, I mean, this is like 20 years ago now, and to your point, I remember who she was on that show and just to see how, I mean, I don't want to sound patronizing, but just to see, she's just come into her own so beautifully. It was such a pleasure to hang out with her. She was so smart, so funny, so. um, Her voice had even changed, Jamie. Her voice was so light on that season, like in terms of like, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm Trishelle. And her voice dropped in. She was like, hey, what's like, I mean, I was like, and that's what's always so impressive too, to watch, you know, if you're, if you're the graph of your life of how you've changed and how life has changed you. I was like, wow, this is like, she's really come into this really Mm -hmm. solid person that you see on that show of somebody that is uh, not insecure necessarily, but trying to find their way in the world. And and they're so young. So they're, they're seeing, they're getting all of these things coming at them and deciding what's good for them. And you can see on the other side, I'm like, wow, she's like, she's like a really solid person. It seems. Yeah. And I remember when you did come on my podcast to talk about homecoming LA, I remember you were in a little bit, I mean, I think slightly humorous and despair about looking at people like Beth, for example, and coming yeah. to the conclusion of do people change is change possible. So <laughs> You know, I love to look at someone like Trishel and also Arissa, you know, where you see, oh, wow, no, change is very much possible. And these are people who have become, um, you know, happy functioning adults who. But you make the point if they're open to it, they can Mm -hmm. people can change if they're open to change. And I think that's the push pull of reality television is that you have those people willing to change. But you have a really large contingent of people that are so set in their ways. I was just watching Girls Trip with like Candace and Portia. Uh, you know, these people that are like, no, I'm right. This will always be right. And nobody is going to tell me otherwise. And I always think that's such an interesting stance to take. Like it's, it's instantly iconic in some ways to the viewer, but after repeated seasons, you know, even Jax Taylor, we always said, you know, he, I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. And it's like, are you putting in the work to make any progress, dude? Um, yeah, well, and it's, I mean, we'll get there, but it's interesting because I think about that in terms of Tom Sandoval and the choices he's making now and, you know, feeling like this is a guy who's kind of been at a threshold who could have made other choices and, yeah, looking at the choices he's making and, and you know, I'm like you, I've always liked Sandoval and um, I always felt things in him that I really appreciated that, you know, to be honest, I still do. And it's difficult. It's difficult to watch someone who has the opportunity to choose one path and instead go down another path. Um, But just to circle back around to what you were saying earlier, I I do, I really am getting the feeling that um, I think we're hitting a saturation point. My prediction is I think we're in the last two, maybe three years of the heyday of Real Housewives type reality programming because i feel like it's getting so meta at this point like i i was just thinking about how even girls trip right like they're filming salt lake city season four right now right so as that's filming girls trip thailand is airing and i have to imagine that heather and whitney watching what's playing out on girls trip is now going to affect what's happening on salt lake city meanwhile you've got beverly hills filming they're bringing yeah. back, I mean, 
Kim. Everybody. I mean, it? It's like everyone. And then Megan King Edmonds is there as well. And I think I even saw something about, oh, Cynthia Bailey is there as well. And I'm just watching this kind of metaverse. I mean, as a fan, it's exciting because there's all this amazing material out right now. And obviously Bravo's breaking down the fourth wall. And so as kind of like a reality TV super fan, there's something kind of really exciting about it. But I do kind of feel this energy underneath it where I don't quite know where we go from here. And even yeah. the Scandival, right? It's like, this affair is making the show. So from where I'm standing, there's no way you have a season 11 without at least Tom Sandoval there. But at the same time, how is this group going to film? You know, I mean, it's such a fractured cast at this point. So I just kind of feel like, yes, it has evolved, certainly from the days of the real world. And I want to say as someone who worked on the real world back in the day, they truly, I mean, it, Beyond the general construct and framework of what they've set up of seven strangers living in a house and working together, they didn't touch it. There was no manipulation. There was no feeding lines. There was no, okay, you guys are going to have lunch now and you're going to talk about this and you're going to talk about that. It was nothing. It was truly those kids were living in that space and what they did instead was up to them. Um, obviously we've gotten very far away from that now. And I think that, um, I do. Yeah, we really, we've really strayed from God's light now. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're reaching a saturation point where the bubble is going to pop and then we'll see. I mean, I'm curious to see what the next incarnation of reality TV is because I don't think it's going anywhere, but I don't think where we're at can sustain itself because it's like a monster that's eating its own tail. It's becoming so meta so self-reflexive, so about its own place in pop culture that I'm just feeling like there's nowhere else for this to go pretty soon. Wait, uh, Jamie, hold on one sec. I'm hearing a little bit of a static for the last minute. Is your mic uh, plugged in correctly or whatever you're using? I mean, it's just an AirPod. Uh, AirPod? I don't know where I'm picking up. Are you hearing a static on your end at all? Just like a light static? No, I hear nothing. Okay, that actually okay. So Ryan, sixteen fifty seven to seventeen fifty six. Okay, um, you're right. The the monster eating its own tail is so dead on. And even think about what we do. Like we've now spawned all these cottage industries of us podcasters, of intuitives, of all of these things. And like you said, like you know, we we these shows now wear that badge of pop culture so uh, proudly, which is amazing. But at some point, you're right, the saturation level is so intense. And when I was watching Whitney and Heather on Girls Trip, you know, you you obviously see that Whitney and Heather have been raised on Housewives. They're fans of the show. Like Heather salivates hanging out with these people. Like she's like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm with all stars right now. Like, And sometimes that even gets annoying because I just want people to, I want to see real behavior on television. I, to bring it back to Scandal again, we haven't even seen these episodes play out, but this is real behavior. This is like, whoa, you're talking 10 seasons in something this dark and big happens. Now uh, you and your co-host for that episode, Piper, you know, you were really making such amazing points. And I want to talk about a couple of these, but I really strongly suggest you guys go listen to that full episode and subscribe to the podcast. But, you know, talking about holding space, you know, you never really, you know, there is so much going on with everybody. And and that is a good note for me to take. Um, But you did say, and your guest said, there is, when you drop in on there, there is a darkness there. There is almost mm-hmm. a uh, a feeling of Raquel and Tom 
not pulling one over on Ariana, but almost in anger towards Ariana in a certain sense. Oh, for sure. A misdirected rage. Yeah. And I want to be clear because I think sometimes people get a little confused about my intention. For me, I'm just speaking for me. Everyone has their own perspective. Holding space for someone's humanity and vulnerability and seeking to understand why they do what they do. For me, that is not mutually exclusive from also deeply recognizing destructive behavior and saying this isn't okay. So I want to be clear, and I hope I was clear about this in the podcast. Yeah, what Tom and Raquel did, I mean, no question, it was destructive. I think I said on the podcast that that particular flavor of dressing up in disguises, dressing up as Raquel for Halloween, kind of flaunting it right under Ariana's nose. To me, there's something very disturbing about it. There's something that's kind of there's a cruelty, a cruelty almost. There, oh, for sure there's a cruelty. And um, yeah, I do feel from Tom in particular, I've always felt, even when I liked him, you know, I've always felt there's this real push-pull relationship when it comes to women. And I just always get this feeling from him, if I'm right, about somehow feeling fucked with or set up by women and um, sort of, yeah, sort of played with. Yeah. Um, in a way that's not quite fair and that there's sort of an underground rage there and a voice saying like, don't fuck with me and don't fuck with my heart. And in this place where he experienced, you know, some experience of manipulation, some experience of being tricked, set up, gaslit, there's something in him that's saying like, you got one over me, I'm going to get one over on you. And I, I just can't help but feel with Ariana and that relationship Look, there's obviously a lot of information we weren't getting. I think they were hiding a lot from the cameras in terms of whatever problems they were going through. Yeah. Hopefully, we're going to get more insight into this as Scandaval unfolds. But I just get this feeling for Tom that it was kind of like, I'm not saying he's right. I'm saying my sense of his experience is, I thought this relationship was going to be one thing. It turned out to be another. And if he follows that unconsciously, you tricked me. And now I'm pissed about this. And I think in this place where there's something historical there, where he's got some established relationship to feeling fucked with by women. Because the thing is, as you know, I'm always looking at pattern. I think we recreate early patterns over and over, hopefully as a way to heal them. So, you know, the most simple example of that is, oh my God, I keep dating my father. Or, oh my God, no matter how many times I try to find a new job, I end up in the same kind of abusive work situation. We have this way of, recreating these patterns and so you know you go back and you look at the history of tom and vanderpump rules and i'm just remembering like the whole deal with Kristen, you know where she you know i mean because i've been re-watching it i forgot about this whole aspect where he had cheated on her right early on with like yeah. a waitress in vegas which My, even yeah. that if you go back and listen she says what was part of what was so painful is he didn't just screw her one time drunkenly it was a two-day affair where he did it repeatedly and he knew what he was doing that was just interesting to me because i was like oh here it is it's like a little microcosm of what he's going to do 10 years later with a seven month long emotional affair um but what was so interesting to me about it was Kristen then kind of like lords that over him and is sort of punishing him for it all season. And then part of the insanity of her having cheated with Jack is that she was hiding her own cheating while kind of like pointing a finger at him the whole time. 
So while it doesn't excuse Tom's cheating, of course, that's his responsibility. You see this kind of pattern or flavor of she was fucking with him. She was fucking with him. And I just go back to Tom's, you know, there are things that he says through over the years that to me are just such clues to what's going on with him psychologically, where he says to Katie, for example, you get to have whatever feelings you want. But if I have feelings, I'm a psycho. Or, you know, saying to Ariana, like, women can get away with anything, but if I do it as a straight guy, like, you know, I get penalized for it. Again, I'm not saying he's right. As a a cisgendered man. Exactly. It gives you a glimpse, though, into, you know, what I would call the flavor of the original wound. I just feel like this is a guy who somewhere early on, you know, I get very drawn to his strong firefighter mother who... We've seen on camera kind of poke big Mickey Rourke hands, big Mickey Rourke hands. He said, (laughs) Um, I just kind of get this feeling that there was some point early on where he genuinely was screwed with in a way that was unfair. And he didn't have space for his rage. He didn't have space for his boundaries. He didn't have room to say, wait a second, this doesn't feel good. It's not fair to me. And instead I just think that story about women get away with everything they get to treat guys however they want, and you just have to roll over and take it. I think it's where it got internalized. And you see him unconsciously playing it out over and over and over. And I think that's what's going on. So in a way, it's not personal towards Ariana, because I think it's his history. But yes, do I think there was a part of him unconsciously that was like, I'm messing with you because I feel like you mess with me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and th- you know, you said in in dropping in on him a little, you know, you, there's so much going on in him. And you actually had made this point, too, of like there was an excitement in him and you kind of attributed it to his band. You thought those feelings, you were like, <laughs> oh, he must just really be, you know, like really into like Tom Sandoval and the most extras. That must just be such a passion project. But now you're looking back on that feeling you initially had and think, wow, maybe it actually has to do with this Raquel situation as well. But, uh, you know, even that aside, you said there is so much going on inside of him. Yeah, I think he's a, look, I think I stand by the things I've always appreciated about him. I think he's a complicated, interesting, multifaceted guy with a lot of creative energy that wants to move through him and even a lot of love that wants to move through him. You said something that was really interesting to me on social media where you were talking about how before you kind of loved his band and you thought it was fun and exciting. Yeah. And yeah. now that we've walked through this doorway with it, now to you, it just looks so cheesy. And I so related to that because I was the same way where before, because there was so much I liked about him, I was looking at a lot of this stuff through almost an endearing lens. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's cheesy. Yes. But, you know, I love his spirit. I love, yes. you know, I just, you know I, And now I look at it, I'm like, oh my God, it looks completely different to me. But even that, like to me, the way I think of it, it's almost like, you know, those drawings where you look at it from one angle and it's an old woman, but then you look at it from another (laughs) angle and it's a young girl. And I'm like, again, I just look at the pattern in everything. And I think there's information in everything. So when I take in like yours and mine, and I have to imagine a lot of people's experience of Sandoval of he's the same guy. We were seeing him one way. Now we're seeing him a completely different way. I'm like, this is part of Tom's potential magic. I just think he's this guy who, if he were willing to let go of his anger or work through it, let's say, if he were willing to come out of secrecy, if he were willing to surrender this deep withholding that he has and actually show up to life, 
in a way that's more constructive and of service to himself and others. I just have this feeling he's this guy, like, I, he feels like a magician to me. You know what I mean? He, he is a performer, you know? And I think that he, he's someone who, at his, like, in his best version of himself, I think he could probably invite people into, you know, what I might call the mystery of life. You think, you think something looks one way, let's walk through a doorway, and now, surprise, you're seeing it the complete other way. And isn't that kind of magical and exciting? Oh, he's very Alice through the looking glass. Uh, you were saying Tom could potentially, I was saying, take you through that looking glass. In fact, yeah. I mean, I, I've done mushrooms with Tom and like, I've had like Aww. some really great experiences. And that's the hard thing, Jamie, is that like, I get that everybody makes mistakes and this is a bad on me, but when you idolize somebody, it really crushes you because you want to think of them as the perfect person. And that's just not reality, but also right. the cruelty aspect of this, because I do love Ariana so much and have known her even before Tom. Um, that was the part that I just, the, the seven months, the, the, the planning, the teasing, the having the, and, and, and they might have a real affinity Raquel and Tom for each other. Um, that's up to them to, I mean, this just can't be a great way to start any of this, but if you're saying that we keep repeating the same patterns in life and hopefully we will learn from them and grow. If you were working with Tom Sandoval in what you yeah. do, how would you help him face what his obvious patterns uh. seem to be? Like post Scandal, like if I were working with him right post, now, right now. So Jamie, I heard you on the pod. You seem like you hold space for me. You seem like you'll talk to me. How can I? What am I doing wrong? How do I? How do I approach my life at this point? Well, I think there are two things. I mean, first things first. I mean, one, getting him in touch. You know, if I'm right about this, getting him in touch with the cruelty, getting him in touch with the part of him that was saying, you know what. Yeah, like I wanted, you know, on a certain level to rub her face in something. I wanted to play this out. I took pleasure in it. I was pissed. I wanted to punish her and really giving him the space to own that voice, to bring it into consciousness so he can start to understand where this has come from inside of him. Because that's the thing. It's, it's a voice that's calling out to be healed. There is a voice in him saying, I want to punish the woman who fucked with me. Again, if I'm right about this. Um, so we need to kind of... Well, I guess we, we need to think, though, is how Ariana fucked with him, though. How are... And, and and when you drop into Ariana, what I mean, what do you sense there and how that uh, computes with uh, Tom Sandoval? Well, again, I'm not saying he's right in his perception. No, no, no. I no, be, I, right, I, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that we can feel certain. Right. By the way, I also talk to the audience all the time is that we're the heroes in our own lives. We don't usually think of ourselves as villains. We don't think of ourselves. Right. We don't really, I mean, unless you're really in, uh, insecure, you don't go around thinking that you are the worst person in the world. Right. Tom, even at this point, and you guys talked about this, that Tom and Rick, you know, there isn't this sense of that they did something really wrong. I don't think, I mean, I think maybe he thinks he has to say that for the public face. I don't get the sense he thinks he really did something wrong. I don't think he can let himself know that because, yeah, then it will take him into these deeper feelings of the vulnerability of why he's doing what he's doing. Um, I think, you know. But you're so, right, but dude. Go- I've talked to people around. You're right. He does seem to have that, like, not really, he seems to be in a fog of not really knowing what the big, like, why this is such a big deal. Because you have to understand, if I'm right about what I'm picking up on him, he feels misunderstood. Like, I mean, take Scandal out of it. I think 
generally big picture, he feels misunderstood. And I think in his mind, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. And again, like things get turned around on me. So it's like in his mind, right, he's doing something because he got screwed with. He's misunderstood. And now because I made, you know, again, from Tom's point of view, one mistake, I'm going to be the bad guy. You know what I mean? But, you know, to go back to your question, I mean, again, look, we have very limited info about their relationship. But, like, (laughs) if I had to guess, if I had to guess the tone of it or the flavor of it, you know, what I go back to is, you know, he got out of this relationship with Kristen. And Ariana was very much presented as, you know, the, the trophy. She was, like, the right fit, the right match. She was the cool girl. She was the one who had it all together. She she was the opposite of Kristen, right? He She was the one he was supposed to be with. Um, cool, down to earth, sane, sexy. You know, I even remember Ariana kind of saying, I'm prettier than you, I'm cooler than you, and I'm smarter than yeah. you. And, we all celebrated it. We were like, oh, great. Tom and Ariana are supposed to be together. They're the couple of the year. Yeah. And, you know, we know from what Ariana has shared, you know, we know there's been some mental health issues. We know there's been, you know, feeling sexually shut down. It seems like she's really been in a deep process. And so I can imagine, let's just say hypothetically, if Tom kind of thought like, wait a second, <laughs> I thought this was going to be one thing. I thought this was going to be kind of like, the match of the century where we're meeting each other and we're having great sex and we both want kids and we both want, or whatever it is. And then sort of finds himself in a relationship, you know, the honeymoon phase ends, let's say, and let's say it's a different story. And um, maybe that's a place where he feels kind of like, wait a second, there's a bait and switch here. Wait a second, you know, we're not having sex anymore. Wait a second, you're in bed all day and you're depressed. Like, wait a second. And, you know, Tom, I think, He's someone who does have a relationship to being the good boy. So let's say there is a part of him that does have feelings of resentment about that, but he's kind of disowning it. And instead, he's trying to tender her. He's trying to do all the right things, but he's disowning something in himself that's maybe saying, wait a second, like, what about my needs? Wait a second, I'm disappointed. Wait a second, this doesn't work for me. And if he's not articulating that and he's suppressing it and meanwhile trying to be sort of the good boy on the surface that anger is just going to kind of swell and swell and swell and grow and grow and grow. So there's also a part of him. There's a part of him that's also saying, I'm so special. I'm so special. Like I think so highly of myself that why is these, that why are these things, you know, why, why alleged, like, why am I not potentially getting sex as much as I want? Why am I, I'm so special in my, uh, who I am. I'm very unique. Why are not, why, why aren't I getting everything that I want? And I feel like that opens the door into somebody like Raquel. Yeah, exactly. And there is, you know, I mean, this word gets so overused at this point, but I think, yes, there's absolutely kind of a narcissistic bend to Tom. You know, I mean, he's interesting because there's a deep generosity in him, but there's also this deep self-obsession in him, too. So I can imagine, yeah, layered on top of all this, if, and again, I do not know what was going on in their relationship, but hypothetically, if things are orienting towards Ariana and sort of what she needs sort of in her struggles and difficulties. And then you've got this kind of man child, Peter Pan, who wants a lot of the attention and wants a lot of it to be about him. And he feels like he's not getting that. You know, it just sort of becomes a clusterfuck, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it does seem like a clusterfuck that really exploded, even though, you know, we don't really know behind the scenes what was leading up to this. And like you said, hopefully we will see. And I know we do see in the next couple of episodes some cracks in that armor. Um, but to then bring in Raquel to this, because a lot of people have really interesting reactions to Raquel, because we've watched her now since 2018 on this show, and we've watched her, and and, and if we if this hadn't have exploded, this would have been an underdog season where she would have come out looking so amazing, and we would have really rooted for her like we choose people to root for in reality shows. That's one of the tenets of a reality show, but now with this it kind of sweeps a lot of that under the rug and people's reactions are so extreme, myself included, but then you have this other undercurrent of, well, Tom is manipulating her. He's, um, he is uh, telling her, he's putting all the thoughts in her head. You know, when you drop in on somebody like Raquel, what's the feeling there? What, what, what do you, what do you, what do you pick up? Because, you know, she's been in with DJ James Kennedy. We've seen her, like you mentioned in your episode, that first episode on the date with Peter, where she breaks down, not knowing where she is in her life, what she's doing. Uh, speak to that. I mean, I think there's sort of layers upon layers. I think that, so first of all, I'm a big believer in self-responsibility. And I think that, you know, as a culture, we're, I mean, that's why I sort of get a little skeptical of everyone diagnosing everyone else a narcissist. It's like, you know, Raquel, look, she's a big girl and she made her own choices. And I'm not saying that Sandoval wasn't in some way impressionable, but just in the same way that, you know, Tom can't blame Ariana for his decision not to be honest about what was going on for him in their relationship. You know, Raquel can't really blame Sandoval. I feel like with Raquel, my sense of her, it's almost like, you know, you see someone like Lala, for example, who I experienced deep down as having a lot of terror. I think she has a lot of terror and I think she covers for that terror. Yes. Big blustery, like, yes. you know, I'm calling it like I see it. I'm the voice of moral authority. I stick up for what's right. I love, kind of, I love dicks. I want dicks. Here's my put. Like, it's a very Erica Jane kind of like a uh, very extreme, but you're totally right. That's what I pick up on too, is that there seems to be such, so much fear there. Yeah. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And so you see this a lot, right? Especially on the housewives. It's like women or people who I think cover for a deeper vulnerability with like a real competitive cutthroat edge where it's like, you're not like, you're not going to see me be quote unquote weak. Like you're Erica Jane's a perfect example. Like she never, like, you're not going to see me. You're not going to see me when I'm down. I've got this yeah. pride, right? Yes. And I've got this sense yes. of competition. I think that Raquel actually has that in her. I think she's deeply competitive. I think there's something powerful in her that wants to win. And so it's almost like that's maybe a more foundational archetype for her. But my sense, so there's the deeper vulnerability in Raquel of whatever that kind of competition's covering. Then I think there's that competitive spirit in Raquel. But then I think the difference between a Raquel and a Lala or an Erica Jane is that somewhere along the way, she learned she couldn't even have that competitive spirit directly. So it's like that had to get covered underneath the kind of doe-eyed, you know, willowy girl who can barely string a sentence together. So, in, I mean, I guess in some ways, maybe she and Tom are kind of right for each other in the sense that there's complexity there. I think there's complexity there. And I think for someone like Raquel, first she would have to get down into the Lala in her, like the voice in her that says, actually, I play to win. Actually, like I'm deeply competitive. Actually, there's something in me. Because people are asking, like, why doesn't she ever cry? Why does it look like she's smiling in these interviews? And by and the again, way, we I- hear that she does not cry at the reunion at all. We got that information this week. Sheena said on her podcast that she did not cry one, one or Lala said she didn't cry one time. That's why I'm saying I think there's something in Raquel that's playing to win. But again, I feel like she could never show that. So But Jamie, how, lot how of- can the body how can the body not manifest like when somebody's playing to win, I always usually think the body follows, the voice follows, the you know, there's a a and, and Raquel reads very um not confident. Her voice is quivery. Her voice, you know, it's certain times she drops in on it, but also you make that great point of she's 
been obsessed with Lala. I mean, obsession might not be the word, but she's been very uh, interested in Lala liking her. She, you know, we've seen that in the past with the Bambi eyed bitch comment, but it's very interesting to think about that thought of that. They are so similar. Well, it comes out. I mean, it's come out in moments. So, I mean, I go back to that. I mean, a few years ago when they were throwing axes and Raquel got a bullseye with that axe. Yeah, they went axe throwing. She threw, she was the only one. She threw the axe. She got a bullseye. And I remember thinking it because I'd already sensed in her. I was like, I think there's more power in her than she lets on. And I remember when she threw that axe and she got that bullseye speaking about the body. I mean, that to me was an example of like here, like um, Raquel just got that bullseye. But then also, you know, there have been other examples of it, just, you know, even in her relationship with James, like she did ultimately give him that ultimatum of like, look, stop drinking or I'm out. Or this season, when we think about them in Vegas, that moment where Lala said to her, you know, I wouldn't trust you drunk around my man. And it was just so interesting to me because I, I was feeling into Raquel in that moment. And I felt how that comment, like it hit her, like it had an impact on her. And you watched her. It was like she was stumbling for her words. Right. But then what did she say? We all know she said, well, it's a good thing you don't have a man around for like for me to be around. That was like cutting comment. And so when I took that in, I was like, again, oh, also in Havasu, when she left, she couldn't leave without saying to Lala. She said, I won. I got Oliver and you didn't. And that's why you're upset, which, by the way. I still believe to this day, Raquel was completely right. Like, you know, two things can be true at once. Like Raquel could have been doing this, but like Raquel was right. And that's why I think the interesting relationship with Lala and Lala's adverse react. Lala now thinks she's like a prognosticator. She's like Nostradamus. Like I knew I had a vibe and I knew Sandoval and Raquel were bad. And to me, that's just like showman, like BS when it's like Lala, there's always Lala's felt threatened from Raquel in a lot of ways over time. Well, I think the thing about Lala, I think there's two things about Raquel. One, I've always felt that there's a part of Lala that just has a thing for James Kennedy. And so I think the fact that Raquel was with James Kennedy, you know, because obviously back then, Lala could never let herself be with a James Kennedy because he wasn't the rich guy who was going to gift her with Range Rovers, right? But they were such a match in spirit. And so then I think to see Raquel with James Kennedy, but not just the fact that she was with James Kennedy, but to what we're talking about, to see... If Lala is someone who's basically saying on an unconscious level, I can't afford to be helpless. Like I have to puff up my chest. I have to get myself through life because something in me is terrified of what happens if I drop the ball or drop my guard. To see someone like Raquel, who's embodying essentially a kind of helplessness, a kind of like, I'm just the lost damsel in distress that Lala will never let herself be. And then this is the woman who gets to be with James. I just feel like it was triggering her on a lot of different levels. Um, But coming back to Raquel, like there are these signs where you see, even though there is this kind of learned helplessness that I think she felt she had to adopt for what, like she had to disown her more powerful energy. You still see the more powerful energy struggling to break through. So I want to be clear when I talk about you know, her being like that there's layers. I'm not seeing Raquel as like a Machiavellian villain yeah. is twirling her mustache thinking I'm secretly competitive, but I'm going to play a part. I think she's very confused. And I think there are boring aspects inside of her. So I think there is this deeply competitive part of her that wants to win. And I think she learned really early on that I'm not allowed to have this energy all the way. 
and I think, you know, one of the things I'll bring in, um, you know, that people have been DMing me a lot about, and that I think about a lot, is her origin story. And the fact that, you know... Are you again, talking about all... being adopted? Are you talking about the adoption and the... I didn't want her. I mean, let's just call it what... I mean, literally, that's what she said. It's like, my bio mom didn't want me. I was a mistake. She gave me to her sister. I don't know where her bio dad is in all of this. You know, the way that Raquel talks about it, she she talks about it in a way where it sounds like she's okay with everything and everything's well-adjusted. But I know from working with people, that kind of message... I don't know how this was held by her family. I don't know when she was told whose child she actually was. I don't know, yeah, to what degree there were secrets kept. I don't know what the the type of narrative that org- got organized around it. But just honestly, being a child who wasn't wanted by your biological mother, that in and of itself is something that can definitely leave a mark, even if nothing is ever said overtly. I just have to imagine, like, as I'm saying this, I can imagine a situation, perhaps, hypothetically, where Raquel feels almost like, okay, my family that's raising me is doing me a favor. I don't have the right to make a scene. I don't have a right to rock the boat. I don't have a right to have strong, powerful energy because I wasn't wanted and they took me in. So I better do and say all the right things to not rock the boat. You know what I mean? So that could be a place where she learned if I have strong, powerful energy where I actually want to play to win, I better keep that under wraps because I don't want to jeopardize what I've got because to the child's perspective, that could jeopardize my ability to survive. You know what I mean? If I piss these people off. So, you know, it's complicated. Well, do you think, I mean, so when, when, when you're dealing with that, does that also potentially if, you know, your, your birth mom did not want you, your bio mom did not want you. Does that set then in a, uh, an eternal competition for the rest of your life to be wanted by people, to be their choice. And somebody like Tom, who potentially is presented in this positive light of look what a ray of light he is to all of his friends. Cause I've been around where like, I was at coach, like he, he's one of those guys that wants everybody to party, wants everybody to like, have yeah. be having fun. And Raquel sees this and he's like, wow, what a great guy that brings everybody to together and maybe that is you know one of the things that she was so attracted by of like wow everybody wants a piece of tom what if tom wanted a piece of me we'll be back to that in just one second now is my favorite time of the episode where i get to talk about our sponsor and this week our show so bad as good is sponsored by our friends over at better help now believe me better help i think the entire cast of vanderpump rules needs better help immediately ASAP. But all joking aside, I know you guys know that I'm a big proponent of mental health, of just making really small steps that can lead into lifelong um, betterment of some sort. Um, They want me to talk about in this ad, they usually tell you kind of directions to go. And this, they asked me a question of, talk about a time that I've learned something new about myself. And what was that experience like for me and how did it change my life? Now, I will tell you that uh, I did see a therapist right before the pandemic. I was talking to a therapist. It was post-divorce and I have a real hard time with confidence, which is insane. And a a lot of people don't actually sometimes believe that, but I do. And uh, through therapy, 
it was this wild thing where uh, this amazing lady kind of started to try to get me to understand that these negative thought patterns that I have built up over decades could potentially be not true, that my own mind could be lying to myself, right? I mean, that is like the end of the sixth sense when he realizes he hasn't been alive the whole time. You're like, what? Wait, what? You're saying that I could potentially be let that my mind is potentially against me sometimes? And it blew me away. But it also changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, and it also led me to do this show. Honestly, it gave me the confidence to do this show. But in that, you also have to be very honest in uh, talking about mental health is that it's a daily struggle. You have to go out and do the things that are going to give you the best shot of happiness or not even happiness of just getting through life, which can be so difficult, right? And that, like I said, includes working out for me, taking vitamins, talking to a therapist. There are so many things that go into that. And you have to do that day after day, week after week. But getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I change week to week, unfortunately, not just my waist side. Hey, oh, dad joke. But you know what I'm saying? We really do. You have to keep on top of those changes. And that's where therapy really comes in. It's all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. I mean, that's the other thing is that I can have a billion thoughts going on in my mind at one time. And I can think, oh, all of these things about all of these thoughts going on. But until I speak it out loud to somebody else, do I realize that a good 83% of those things are completely nonsense? It helps you hone in on the things that actually matter. Now, BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I have fully benefited from therapy. Period. Period. And I expect to benefit from it my entire life. But it is like the gym. You're going to not want to go. You're going to not want to do this. That's just how we are wired. Ignore those thoughts. Listen to this, or at least try this. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It even takes that out of the, You don't even have to drive there anymore. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge because that's a big thing as well. Because sometimes finding the right therapist is like finding the right pair of jeans. Unless you're at Old Navy, everything looks great there. <laughs> but no, all joking aside, discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash so bad today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash so bad. Um, I'm really proud that uh, they are a sponsor because I really, really personally do believe in therapy. But give it a shot. It always helps the show. But I think at the end of the day, it could really, really help you in the long run. And now back to the show. 
I mean, I, I know I'm probably reaching in some ways here, but also the competition aspect of even regarding her, her beauty pageant stuff. You right. know, like there's so much even in that. Like I, I, it really is fascinating to think about, but it's hard because I keep coming back to just immense anger because I just think it's just that cruelty thing I can't get over because I saw – like, that's the other thing. And I think you mentioned this in your pod about the, the blankness, or I think Piper had picked up on just this blankness. And that was always how I had described Raquel, like very nice, very blank. I really couldn't have like a really deep conversation with her, nor, you know, like, it, it, what you know, like what am I going to do that on a Coachella field? But, you know, <laughs> other people you can have really quick, uh, you know, you can read them really quickly or, or they're open to a sense. And she wasn't closed. She was just blank. And I keep going back to that. But also the friendship she had with Ariana aside from Tom. Like this wasn't like right. where it was just her and Tom and Ariana all three hanging out. Like, no, her and Ariana had a very personal friendship as well where right. they were sharing Ubers together. They were sharing like, you know, and that's the part I keep coming back to is. And and I don't know if you can drop in on some like somebody's mind of like, how do you confront the horrors uh, and the pain you've caused somebody else in life. Well, okay. I mean, there's a lot here. So I think just to kind of go back to where you started, I, and I'm sure you understand this, you know, there's obviously no one right answer for everyone. You know, different environmental factors are going to hit people differently based on genetics, you know, based on, you know, so many different things. But, um, you know, as far as your question around Raquel and Ariana, you know, my my kind of first intuitive sense of it is that there is something in Raquel yeah, that is deeply competitive with other women. And I, I get this potential feeling that there's something very exciting to her about getting, yes, to your point, getting chosen by the man of the house. Um, you know, and I, and I kind of feel Tom, even though he's not actually married to Ariana, even though they don't have kids. I feel him kind of representing the dad of the house, the man of the house, and her kind of orienting to him. It's kind of like, you know, I talk about this on Instagram. I talk about this on my podcast, but her kind of orienting as the naughty little girl, you know, who, who lures the man of the house into her bed. And yeah, kind of feeling a sense of power there. And I do feel like there was some sort of competition set up between Raquel and the woman, whoever that is, you know, again, I don't, know her history. I don't know if we're talking about her actual adopted mom or bio mom. I don't know if we're talking about peers and, you know, the pageant system or whatever, but some sort of competitive in this place where she has to dis disown vital aspects of herself, you know, that there is some sort of competition that plays out where she gets to know her own power and her own worth in competition to the other woman. And so there's something about if I can kind of lure the man of the house into my bedroom away from her, she's the, she's the dumb one. She's the helpless one. Oh, she's the yeah. sucker. You know, yeah. I'm actually the powerful one. So, you know, if I follow this, if there is an inner conflict in Raquel around like, wait a second, I'm actually this big, bad, powerful woman who's got all this energy and I want to go and out. Yeah, there yeah. you, you guys think you're taking care of me, but you like, look what I'm doing. Like, like even like Sheena, like taking care of her and calling her like little sister and all that. Like you guys all think I need taken care of and you're doing all of these things for me, but look at what I'm doing. Exactly. And it's like, and I think that's sort of where the rage comes from. It's like, yeah, this powerful energy has to be driven underground because people aren't willing to like meet me here or, you know, yeah, whatever. I can't have all this energy or else, 
um, I'm going to risk rocking the boat or I'm going to have to experience painful disconnection. To your point, yeah, let me wield it in this really kind of covert, unconscious way where I get to experience my own power. I get to take what I'm quote unquote owed and I get to do it in this really sort of secret, exciting way that, yeah, on some level, I feel entitled to this. Like no one's had to answer for what yeah. they shut down in me. Why should I have to uh, answer for what I'm I doing? really, I really, really, that really makes a lot of sense to me. I, I just, uh, it would be interesting if next season Raquel comes back, she's got a completely different voice. She's completely settled in. She's like shooting fire. She's shooting electric bolts from her, you know, lightning from her fingers. Like I just, I wonder, I wonder if there is this thing because I, I keep thinking about that thing of they've been in an eight, eight month affair without anybody knowing. And then, so they've already caught up to what they've been doing. I think the outrage is that we're catching up to what they've had eight months to realize. So that is where a lot of the, I mean, and especially from Ariana, of course, uh, and there, I know there was a, you know, a little bit of suspicion from the cast, which we're going to see in a couple of the episodes coming up, but they were still told that there's nothing there. Don't pursue it. I swear to God, it's just a friendship. So I, I just think that thought of, they don't realize what's happening and they have a very different view on it because they've lived in it for so much longer than we have or, or Ariana have. Has. And I think, well, and also to go back to your question about how to support Tom, if like you were here right now, I mean, I think the big thing for him is we would really have to go back to that moment of decision where I was saying this earlier, he had a choice. You know, he could have gone obviously to Ariana rather than having an affair. He could have gone to her and said, look, yes. this relationship isn't working for me. These are the yes. issues. We either need to work on this or I'm gone. And I know he's going to have excuses about why he couldn't and why he didn't. So for me, the work would be like, no, we need to support you to understand. Again, like I was saying before, you are responsible for your own choices, Tom. I don't give a shit if Ariana's depressed. I don't care if her grandmother died. She's, a, she's just ultimately, and actually, I really believe this about Ariana. She's a strong woman and she's going to survive. So we need to bring you back to the moment where you made that choice and really start getting clear on why did you make that choice and what would it have meant for you, for you to come clean and be honest about where you were? Because you're saying it was for Ariana's benefit, but it was actually for your benefit. On some level, it was more comfortable oh, for you. Uh Dude, uh, that, why? And and by the way, we see this in Summer House. We see this with a lot. We see this in Real Housewives of Miami. What is it? And I, I've been like this before, not necessarily with this cheating aspect, but with other aspects of my life where I've been like, I can't do this right now because it would hurt this other person so much. But when you really break down that thought, it's a selfish thought because you're saying, I don't have the strength in myself to deal with somebody else's pain. I'd rather, I want to keep on the life I'm living and not have to slow down to, um, to absorb somebody else's pain that is going to be caused by this. And I think we see this again and again. What is it about men sometimes? I, I I hate to typify, but you notice it with men more than women. A thousand cases is that it seems like we we find it very hard to have the tough conversations. Well, I, again, I mean, it's going to be different for different people depending on their history. I mean, I think for Tom, what comes up for me, I think there's two things. I think what <laughs> if you're I on Bravo, feel- if you're on Bravo, let's say maybe not all men. If you're on Bravo, you're going to be <laughs> uh, you're a guy. 
Um, I think there are two strong things that sort of come forward for me. I think one, I think on a certain level, Tom wanted to nurture this grudge. Like, I think there's an unresolved rage in him. And I think there is a part of Tom that wants to punish the woman. And so I think in some unconscious place where he feels like Ariana kind of fucked with him, I think part of him probably didn't want to have this honest conversation because then it would rob him of the opportunity to kind of act something out that an unconscious part of him wants to act out. Now, and, okay, there's actually three things. So the second thing that's coming to me is, let's just say hypothetically he has that conversation with Ariana. And let's just say she doesn't meet him there. And she's like, you know what, Tom? I can't be the girlfriend you want me to be. We should break up and sort of move on. I just feel, and this is sort of connected to what I just said. I could feel that for him, it would enrage him. Like, I can hear the voice that says, oh, okay. So you used me, you got what you wanted out of me, and now you're like leaving me behind. So there's sort of kind of like a power play here too of like, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to give you the opportunity to say no to me and make me feel even more used than I already feel. And the third thing that I feel from him too is a deep distrust in love. And I really feel that. Like, I feel like, you know, with Ariana, you know, because Ariana is emotionally intelligent, you know, and she, yeah, she, you know, she really, a, she really is like, I've, I, you know, I, I've, I've even had some conversations with her since this is, and, and it's, it's wild how, I mean, it's, it's I don't want to use the word resigned, but there is this inner strength that I'm shocked about that seems like I would just be the sky is falling da da da, And she's like, no, nah, you know, like, it's very interesting. She's like one foot in front of the other. Well, yeah, I have something to say about Ariana and the way that I experience her. But just to finish up the Tom's thoughts, yeah, I feel like Ariana is someone who could potentially actually meet him in relationship. And I feel like, I think Tom has emotional intelligence. And I think that's why we like them. Of all the people on this show, they felt like the most kind of like real functional heart-based couple. And so I do feel like in Tom, in this place where historically he felt fucked with somewhere around his heart, I think there's a deep distrust around really showing up in a mutual, reciprocal, loving relationship. And so I could see part of him being scared to actually bring his truth out and to actually be met by someone who says, you know what, Tom, you've got some points. Let's, you know, whatever we got to do, let's go to therapy. Let's work on it. Let's open up our sex life because then suddenly he has nowhere to hide. Right. So I think these are three sort of different but connected reasons why someone like him might pull back. from. It's like once he has that conversation with Ariana, you know, his skin's in the game. And if this is a guy who's been committed to secrecy, to withholding, to hiding out out of a sense of safety, he's kind of shining a light on his hiding spots by having that conversation. So, yeah, I think there's multiple reasons why he would pull in this case, he would pull back from just saying, hey, Ariana, we need to talk. do you want to hear what I have to say about Ariana? Or are we going to say something? Hell yeah, I do. Fun? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always just, I mean, it's interesting because I've actually seen flashes of how I experience my experience of her essence um, in some of the previews and whatnot. But I've always just felt like she's got a warrior inside of her. To me, it's so interesting to me that she talks about like feeling depressed a lot um, because I just think she's got such strong warrior energy in her that wants to move. So that moment in the mid-season trailer where we see her screaming Raquel, I'm like, that's the Ariana I've always seen. And even this last episode um, where she just finally snapped at James and she was yeah, like, I'm saying it's, 
I was like, that's the Ariana I've always sensed. And I've just gotten this, you know, feeling for her. My general experience of both depression and anxiety in people that I work with is that it tends to be really strong currents of energy that want to move through someone that's not getting expressed in body. A lot of times like righteous rage. Um, and so it gets literally depressed and then someone becomes depressed or they becomes anxious. So I've always just felt with Ariana, like there's so much powerful currents of energy that want to move through you and just some sort of feeling like she learned early on, I'm not allowed to have all these strong, powerful voices that want to move through me and kind of feeling like, I wonder if this is manifesting in depression, feeling shut down. And so I've always felt like, oh man, if I could work with Ariana, I would just want to support her to have all this vital energy that wants to move through it. That again, I feel like we're starting to see it this season. But so I, yeah. So when you say like, she feels so strong, I'm like, it's not a surprise to me because she really, she feels like an embodied warrior to me. And we talk about blocks in our lives, but it, you know, potentially, you know, and these are the things where you don't realize sometimes, uh, you know, in the moment, but Tom potentially was a block in her life. And I oh, think with sure. removing that block, there's going to be so much creative energy that yeah. I can already feel spilling out. There's such a goodwill towards her. And she's one of the other people. And this opens something, you know, but you know, the commerce around Vanderpump rules now, I know. everybody's making a shirt, every cast member's doing a pod, da, 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 da. And Ariana's one of those people that was really just like, you know, I really thought amazing. She was staying off social media at first. She was letting everybody else, you know, do their thing, not releasing a statement. Tom released two. And I thought that was very different as opposed to other cast members. But when you're going through something this real, and like I said, I think she's going to potentially get it over a little quicker because when you break something this hard, like, like Tom did, when you have it come out this way, you fracture that relationship so brutally that it snaps the bone completely instead of hanging on like a lot of relationships do for years. Like it kind of freed her to be able to potentially move on quicker. I don't mean with another guy or girl. I just mean move on, you know, mentally quicker because something is so horrifying. It breaks it completely. Like there's no chance of them getting back. Yeah, well, I also, you know, I, I've been so aware, too. She's in the flurry of the show right now. So I really kind of wonder what's going to happen once the, you know, once the season's done airing, you know, the dust settles, and then she really kind of has to be with the experience. I imagine there's going to be a lot more to process kind of on the back end a few months from now. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, you know, Tom in some ways really did do her a favor, um, because he really revealed himself and he revealed what was going on underneath the surface in such a big, bold way. And I'm sure there's stuff here for her to look at. I mean, look, I'm sure there were compromises she was making in the relationship. I'm sure there were boundaries she was betraying in the relationship. I'm sure there were things she wasn't fully maybe letting herself take in as far as like ways and places she was unhappy. So I think the good news for her, she gets to really look at, you know, holy shit, like I was maybe telling myself one thing about all this, not realizing that, you know, this was running so much deeper than I realized. And hopefully, I think for any of us in a situation like this, we walk away from it kind of saying next time, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like ignoring the red flag. I'm not, and I'm, I want to be clear, this isn't blaming her for what happened. She's obviously the innocent party in terms of Tom and Raquel's deception in the affair. But I personally do come from this, belief that we are co-creating our own realities. And I think if there is something in Ariana that's pulled back from the expression of her own huge, powerful warrior energy, 
on some unconscious level, there was a payoff to this relationship where she's with this man child who, you know, is kind of like, you know, sort of more into himself than maybe her. Like, there's a way that they worked for each other. And yes. I think to your point, now that they're they're creating space in their respective lives, and there's an opportunity here for both of them to look at, like, wait, what did we co-create here and why? Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like Tom's necessarily in a place where he's really willing to look at what he's done and why. So does that mean he's going to keep repeating the same mistake again? Because then if I was Raquel and I was really thinking about it, like, oh, boy, uh, he's been in one long relationship ever before Dodie. Like, there's never been a time where Tom has been single. He just goes from relationship to relationship. I just wonder if he is not facing any... Like, even the the thing I said the other day, I think on Instagram, I said, listen, whatever you want to think, you know, they're together still, but... I just, I don't know a thing in the world, but I would imagine maybe now's not the time to pursue this relationship at this moment. And you need to actually have some self-reflection about why you did the things you did. So you can make sure if you really do care about this relationship with Raquel, that you're setting yourself up for success and not just to shut us up. You're like, don't be in a relationship just to prove us wrong, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it looks that he's doomed to repeat patterns over and over because look at what's happened. I mean, if you go back and rewatch, I mean, this is in large, like in many ways, this is what sort of happened with Kristen, where it's like, oh, she doesn't touch me. We don't have sex. You know, he cheated on her. You know, it was a two day thing rather than just a one time thing. You know, it's like there's a pattern here. It's like he he starts feeling unappreciated in relationship. And rather than dealing with it in a healthy way, he sort of gets his little, you know, his little dig in by cheating. You know, he gets his sort of bid for power in sort of a cruel way. And then he's kind of shamed for it. And then it's like, okay, I got to be the good boy. You know, in, in seasons past, he's like putting together the Ikea table, trying to be the good boy who's like making it up to Kristen. I mean, again, there's this split between like, the good boy who's like, you know, trying to prove himself to Lisa Vanderpump and, you know, I don't know, like hugging his mom and it's like trying to do the right thing. But there's obviously this other side to him. Is that getting, is that sound getting picked up? No, no, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. I can, I can. Yeah. Um, there's obviously this other side to him that's enraged about having to be the good little boy. And like I said, feeling used, feeling unappreciated. I mean, you see it play out with Lisa Vanderpump. It's like, no matter how much I try to prove myself to you, as part owner of TomTom, you don't take me seriously. You still make jokes at my expense. Like, you won't see what I'm trying to create here. I mean, less so now because there's been more focus on Schwartz and Sandy's, but when it was about TomTom, you could see how hurt and devastated he would get when Lisa wouldn't kind of recognize what he was trying to bring to the table. And I just feel like this is sort of the pattern in the loop that he's locked into where it's like with Tom, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to prove myself. I'm going to be extra. I'm going to be the good boy. Do you love me now, mom? Do you love me now, mom? Do you love me now, Kristen? Do you love me now? And then it's like something doesn't get seen and he's outraged about it and i think that's where like the anger comes in i think that's where the cruelty comes in i think that's where punishment comes in and even with lisa vanderpump there is some truth to like the idea that she's using tom and tom you know as the (laughs) we're giving you part of the bar we kind of love what you have to give but also Oh, now, now, boys, you're so silly. You don't know what you're doing. We're going to make jokes at your expense. We're going to kind of poke at you. That's with them. And I can kind of feel Tom sort of like, it's just this push-pull, this inner conflict. I want you to love me. I 
fucking hate you for fucking with me. I just think there are these really sort of warring threads and voices around his relationship to, to women, you know, including his own relationship to, I think, the woman inside him. Because I do experience him as this very fluid yeah. guy, you know. And everybody, it's so funny how we like, I do Tom as a, I have like, cause I always pick up on a little lisp he has. He's like, he's always like, come on, Oriana. They're just believing I've, I'm, I'm going to rock this tonight. There's like this tiny little lisp that I exaggerate that like <laughs> you can really barely pick up on, but it's so interesting. Everybody, um, like, I always think it's so interesting how we've grown and some people haven't grown because like somebody's like, yeah, him and Schwartz, they should just go go and have sex with each other because that's they love you. And I'm like, this is such a sixth grade joke. <laughs> like, guys, I, I really don't give a rip. I mean, I hope he's bisexual. I hope he, I don't care. But like, also, this is not even what we're dealing with. That's like, that's always like the base level joke of anything of like, <laughs> give me a break. And by the way, Schwartz is so lazy that he'll just go along with anything. But I mean, by the way, have you ever dropped in on Schwartz? Have you ever? Is there a lot of turmoil in him? Is it even worth it to drop in on Schwartz? Well, I mean, I've always been very tapped into his rage. I mean, he's just got a ton of rage and he's just so passive aggressive. And, you know, I've been saying for years, you know, that he t- totally gaslights Katie. And yeah, I mean, you know, everyone sees it now. I mean, he's sort of the rageful guy who gets a lot of mileage out of playing dopey. and He gets away with a lot. I will say it was interesting to me in this last episode when they kind of cross cut between him putting on his projector and then Raquel putting on her projector, I did have this moment where I was like, you know, in a really sick and twisted way, they kind of are right for each other because they're both so passive aggressive and they both infantilize themselves that there's this kind of like surface dopey sweetness that masks like these deeper reservoirs of dark (laughs) waters. And I'm like, maybe they are the two who should have been a couple after all. It's like, maybe if they just kind of exist on that surface level of like, pretending that they're nothing but you know uh strobe lights and apple pie that's all we are jamie is just strobe lights in these worlds like but i i think it's it's interesting that thought i've been playing around with the thought lately of when you get on a reality television you almost have arrested development of the year that you become famous in reality tv is that you almost encase yourself in some sort of carbonite where sandoval is still in this like you know in his late 20s you know, getting ripped, like cheating, doing all of these wild things. And it's never, he's never had to grow further than that. And even when like certain people like Katie finally decided that was enough for her, you know, Katie made a really tough, strong decision for herself last year with getting a divorce because you knew Schwartz was never going to do that. And even that you see has paid dividends for Katie in a lot of different ways, but Schwartz is still hitting that same button of the, you know, infantile, uh, infantilization of himself and wanting people to pity him and feel bad for him. Well, and especially with this show, I mean, I'm still, cause again, I'm kind of doing a curated rewatch in preparation for future skin of all episodes. And, um, you know, it just really struck me how, you know, what Lisa Vanderpump invited these kids, you know, at the time they were kids, what she invited these kids into it, it really, in some ways kind of set themselves, it set them up to fail because it's like, I'm inviting you onto a show whose success is going to thrive on you guys being messes, on you guys fucking up, on you guys not having your lives together. And even though on one level, I'm, I mean, I'm silently encouraging this. I want you guys to behave this way because this is what makes our show successful. Then I'm going to kind of sit here though on camera 
and just <laughs> kiss you and talk about yeah. how disappointed Behave. I am. Behave. Why can't you keep your bits to yourself? Oh. Well, exactly. And so it's fascinating because I, I mean, I'm really taking that in. And I, I'm just saying, you know, for me, I can't imagine having like a roster of employees who are in their mid to late 20s. And, and playing that out with them on camera. Like, I would be aware of what I was doing. I would be aware of, like, wait a second. Like, I'm inviting the members on this show. Like, they're rewarded for how they behave. But yet now I'm kind of chastising them for it. And I just kind of feel the gaslighting bind that's there where it's like she really did invite them into an arena where on one level you could say they've gotten so much out of it. Are they wealthier, more famous, and more successful in a certain type of way than they ever would have been otherwise. Yeah, Probably yeah, yeah. for most of them, yes. But with Scandaval especially, I'm really asking myself at what cost? You know, like are these people, especially when I look at Tom Sandoval and I'm like, yeah. looking at the, like to your point, if something, if this was a guy who could have gone one of two ways, and by the way, I, you know, I've been unearthing past things, like past appearances and whatnot. And it is funny because literally four years ago, when I was on Bitstash talking about Vanderbump Rules, I said, I think Tom Sandoval is at a crossroads where he's either going to have to choose between his commitment to secrecy, silent rage, and the part of him that's giving the big middle finger to the world, or stepping into manhood and humility. And I feel like, look, obviously he's making his choice <laughs> and he's not going down the road of maturation and humility. And even though he is responsible for his own choices 100%, I can't help but wonder, you know, did the show, you know, kind of help skew the scale to fall on that side, you know? And had it not been for the show, you know, would he be making different choices now? I mean, there's no way to know. It's you, me, and everywhere all at once, or whatever that movie's called. There's so many <laughs> infinite possibilities. Everything, everywhere, all you, me, you, me, Dupree, and everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Well... <laughs> I mean, I agree with you completely. The last, as we start winding down here, the last kind of idea I wanted to bring up with you, and we've we've mentioned it a second, is that, you know, where the audience comes into play. Now, we were also talking about all this goodwill out there for Ariana. There's equally a lot of um, ill, um, you know, a lot of bad thoughts towards Tom, myself included. And, you know, when you're at this crossroads, you know, and you have this opportunity for success, all of these side projects like your band and your restaurants and stuff like that is, um, you know, when you have this much, I don't know what you would call it, karmic energy or all of us now involved in in the mix. Like, how does somebody rise above this much psychic energy going towards them that is mainly negative? Well, that's what's so hot. That's why I get so sad about what's happening in the collective because I just feel how it creates so little room or opportunity for, for these people who have made dark, destructive choices like Tom and Raquel to actually go and do their inner work. Because the fact is, I think you know as well as I do, there is nothing those two could say at this point that anyone is going to hear. Like Tom could come out with the most <laughs> heartfelt, deeply self responsible account of like who I am, why I made these choices, my deep remorse, all of it. And you know, everyone's just going to wait to pounce on it and tear it apart. Right. So I guess. I, we're not ready to hear that though. We're not ready. We're not ready to hear his big salvo. And I don't think he's ready to even say that yet. No, of course but not. It, you know, um, so and, I think those two things won't really happen for a while. 
which is why we really need to take a look at like as a collective what what do we get out of this like because i mean I, i'm going to come back to your question in a moment but one thing i've been circling back around to is i know you've been really uncomfortable with like the cruelty that you could feel in tom and raquel's decision and one yeah. thing i wanted to say about all this is yes was there deep destructive cruelty in what they did absolutely i also want to say we all have cruelty in us like we all do that's just part of being human like none of us are exempt from cruelty now do some of us go deeper and further with it <laughs> absolutely um you know there's more i could say about that but i want to say none of us are exempt from cruelty and part of where i'm feeling the cruelty is in the voice in the collective that just wants to annihilate these two. Because the reality of the situation is, regardless of whether Tom and Raquel get burned at the stake or not, regardless of whether Ariana wears a great revenge dress or not, nothing is going to change what happened. Nothing is going to change what they did. You know, and what I, even what I hear in you, Ryan, like I hear you saying, I mean, what I hear underneath your anger, like when I hear you talk about you know, the shrooms you did with Sandoval and the experiences you had with him and the way you put him on a pet, like, it's painful. Like, there's pain there. Like, there's disappointment and there's sadness. And I think that, I just think a lot of this, I'm not speaking directly to you. I just think collectively a lot of this rage, I do think it safeguards us from kind of feeling maybe some of the more uncomfortable feelings on a deeper level. And I think on some level, it's easier to feel that kind of, quick hit cruelty of like, I want Tom and Raquel to pay. Let's go write a negative Yelp review down with their business. Yeah, their no, I was, ne I was, ne suffer. yeah, I was no, never I for the Yelp not. reviews. Like, I, I mean, I'm, d I'm down for a, a cruel meme, but I, I thought that was even, I, I even thought that was a bridge too far where I was like, come on guys. Like, you know, I even knew how to pull it back there, but you're right. I think there is this thing of, we don't like to, I think it takes so much to really genuinely like somebody in this world in this day and age. You know, it really, for you, and especially on a reality television show where there's so many people that do abhorrent things, especially on Vanderpump Rules. Like any, like DJ James Kennedy can't say crap because he's like, says wild mean shit every episode. And he's, there's nobody that has a moral high ground really. But when you kind of give like, I mean, listen, I just, I... I, I was just so, so I, there is this shock there and there is this safeguarding of like, damn, that really hurts because it also points out the fact how you can be so, but you mentioned it. There, there's a lot of elements about Tom that you still, that, that are still there that you like. I think I'm finding it hard to pull those apart because I'm thinking it's one big thing. And this dude, there's a, uh, there's a thing where I thought he was just this amazing, nice guy that wanted everybody to have a good time when now I'm looking at it from this different way of, oh, he just got off on being the person that we listened to. He got off on, there's this, I mean, there's a lot of complicated emotions that go into yeah. it, but it just makes me angry because I'm just like, this was so, there's so many elements to this that would, that would blow apart your own life and you're not on TV. Yeah. I mean, I, there's so much I want to say. I mean, first of all, let me just say from me to you, like, I just want to say, like, I get it. I mean, I did. I never knew Tom personally. Right. I've never met him. And I want you to know, Ryan, like I, I was touched by him. Like there's a lot about him that touched me. I talked about this on my podcast, even just, you know, I mean, I, 
oh, whatever, I, the, the language of, uh, of today. I'm a cis male who identifies as a man. But you know, I remember when I was growing up as a kid, I really identified a lot more with girls. And I remember like wanting to dress up in girls' clothes and put on makeup. It's something I grew out of, but it was something that I really felt a lot of shame about. It made me feel weird. It made me feel different. And I talk about this because when, as an adult in 20, whatever, 21, like when I would see Tom as sort of a straight identified, you know, man in a male's body dressing up in drag and owning it, like it moved me. I was like, wow, there's something he's embodying here that I feel like is giving me permission to like own these different kind of like non-binary aspects of myself. So I say that because again, I interpret all this stuff as information about a person's field. Again, everyone has a different perspective. For me, I do think there's something in Tom that is deeply complex and has the power to offer something that's healing for other people. I think he's a transmitter. I think he's very powerful energetically. So I just want to say to you, if I'm experiencing some level of medicine from Tom, not even knowing him, I can imagine for someone like you who's actually had personal experiences with him, you're going to feel that even more strongly. And I want you to know, I have felt disappointed too. Um, do you mind if I just close my window? Because yeah, the man. landscaping. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I want to say, like, I'm deeply disappointed. In, like, it makes me sad and it makes me disappointed. And I, I don't actually feel betrayed on a personal level, but I feel a certain yeah. sense of betrayal. And I felt the same way about Jen Shaw because I felt her vulnerability first season of Salt Lake City. And I was one of the few people who kind of stuck up for her. It was like, I actually kind of feel something human in her. So when those charges came out, I was like, damn, like, yeah. I'm disappointed, you know? Yeah. So And there's a disappointment guess, in, in yourself, too. You're like, oh, wow, I was I picking up on the wrong thing? Was I, I mean, I told Tom and it wasn't about, um, you know, it wasn't about, uh, you know, I, I just even thought the spirit of how he approached projects, not even in, you know, like for you, it was like, you know, gender bending to a degree and being proud of that as a straight male and like showing that you can do anything. But for me, it was always like he was doing these side projects and he was going at it with all his might. And to me, that was so inspirational because I was like, I'm doing something so weird. I'm doing a uh, a podcast about like reality shows. And it, it inspired me to be like, this is not what I expected to be doing with my life. And some people think this is so weird when I tell them about it. But I see somebody like that and go like, wow, he's going for these things that people initially make fun of and then they're like yeah that's pretty cool all of a sudden like i I, that to me i derived a lot of um inspiration from and i know i can hold on to that but it's just hard because i think we and me me, uh have this thing of i want there to be a perfect person i want there to be and that just doesn't exist well and i think you're speaking to something important which is yeah then we get to look at what it brings up in us so i hear you saying maybe let me look at the place in me that wanted to put someone on a pedestal and for me, and I talked about this on my podcast, I was really looking at as someone who, I mean, literally, like, so much of my content is about, like, me being the guy who calls people out, like, years before, you know, like, I've been saying, I don't trust Heather Gay from season one. I've been saying, I don't trust Brittany Cartwright or Tom Schwartz since, like, back in, you know, season three or four or whatever of Vanderpump Rules. What I've really been looking at that, it's like, what was it in me that's so... Um, but... 
kind of chose to look the other way because there were places where I looked the other way. There were moments that registered, like when he didn't want to be with Ariana on, I think it was her birthday. Yeah, you were talking about the, bu- the bulldozer moment where he was like, uh, you know, there's a chance for me to go to Vegas and like do things with a bulldozer and smash cards. And she had mentioned like it was going to be a tough day for her. And, one, and he, you know, it was like the most ridiculous. It's like, it was an, and by the way, I like when I, I interviewed him, I, I brought that moment up as like, ha ha, in retrospect, that was such a funny moment, but you're so great together. And now it was one of those things that was a sign of like, that's who he is. Yeah. I mean, for me, I remember taking that in and being like, wait a second, this is dark. But for some reason, I I don't know. And it's so not characteristic of me. I just kind of put it in a box somewhere. So I get to look at that. Like what what was it about Tom and my experience of Tom as a viewer that was skewing me to sort of look the other way? Um, And so, but I think the message I just want to say to you and I think to all your listeners is like the, the place where I come from is just to welcome it all. And I think you know, the way I look at it is I don't think you were wrong about the things that you saw in Tom and felt in Tom. And I think that's what makes this painful for me is that I do think there are these beautiful aspects of him. And yeah, now my relationship to him as a viewer has changed. And the truth is, you know, I I do look at him differently and I take a lot more seriously his capacity for dishonesty and destruction. And, you know, for me, it's not that I'm coming from a place of vilifying him or demonizing him. It's just, this is what he's shown me. And yeah, so there's disappointment, there's sadness, there's sadness for him in the choices he's making in his life. There's sadness for Ariana and what she's going through. There's sadness. To, I don't know. To me, it's just, there's sadness. And I think, yeah, there's sadness. And I think sometimes that gets misplaced as anger because that's an easier emotion to deal with than sadness sometimes. And anger, there's an act, act, there's an activeness to anger. There's something that you can act upon, whereas sadness sometimes is very insular and isolating and lonely. But anger, and especially shared anger, and I don't mean this is good. I I, I don't think this is good, but it's something that I notice is that we have this, you know, you know, you have this these social media outlets where you can just pile on, pile on, and like, like I always say this, like I'm always shocked. Like I'll make a meme that's like a cutting joke. But it's not nearly as cutting as the 90 comments underneath it that go completely so much further than I would. Then I'm like, damn, what are you doing? But I made that forum. Well, and that's what I'm saying. That's cruelty, right? So it's like everyone can sit here and judge Tom and Raquel for their cruelty. And their cruelty isn't okay. But when I look at that rush, and again, I'm not saying you, but it's like there's a flavor out there of a, let's annihilate them, let's take them down. And I think to your point, there's like a dopamine hit of like, if we can take them down hard enough and fast enough, we get to check a box and sort of feel better about all this. But yeah. there's cruelty there. It's a it's cruelty. Yeah. So we all have cruelty. So it's not to excuse what they did. Let's hold what they did. Be honest about it. Jen Shaw needs to go to jail and answer for her crimes. You do the crime, you do the time. Tom Sandoval, you know, like he did the crime, he did the time, but we also don't need to make him into, I mean, I've literally seen people call them. No, you were like, you were saying on your show, you're like, we're blaming him for the ozone layer. We're blaming (laughs) him for like, you know, we're blaming him for everything at this moment. And um, I, I mean, that's the one thing too, is that I hope, Because, you know, the reunion's not going to air until the end of May. And I hope in this time, like, I can't keep this. I can't keep these feelings up. I can't keep 
you know, I'm dealing with tons of other things. And by the way, nobody's asking me to keep these feelings up, but it just, you know, when, when you do something like this, I know like I'm drawn to do this stuff, but I can't keep this going for another month and a half. Like I can't, like I was almost wish, like I almost wish it was over this week so we could put it away, go see what the next couple of months bring. But I'm just like, how do we keep, you know, and, but it'll be interesting. Maybe it's a positive thing and we can see how we can change our feelings, not change, but like accept our feelings, see how we move on from here. Because that's what I kept even thinking of like, what is going to excite my brain as much as the Scandaval stuff? Like watching the other TV shows right now aren't hitting on the same level that Scandaval is because it skewed every one of my neurons and what to expect from a reality TV show. Well, I, ha- I mean, honestly, it's forced me to disengage a lot from social media because it just, it was becoming too much for me. I was just like, this is just the energy around. This is too much. It was actually like, it was, it was, it was dispiriting for me. It was demoralizing. I just, for me, it was hard to see the rage, the aggression, the cruelty. I just, I was like, this is, there's a swarm of energy around this that I, I can't tolerate this too much. So I've actually kind of like muted a lot of stuff. And, um, but I think to your point, maybe. But by the way, like, that's really, but see what you did is exactly smart. And I always tell the listeners that too, is like, if, if, you know, always chase your bliss, always protect yourself as well. And, and you know, do like, don't, you know, mute me, mute the peep, mute, whatever. It, it really is one of those really easy things. And it's like not going to hurt the people that you think it is like protect your own energy. I notice a lot of people, when they don't like something, they listen to it more or they interact with it more. And I, you know, I have a lot of friends that will listen to podcasts that they absolutely hate and they'll message me like, Oh, this person's so dumb, but you're still listening. You're still listening. And, and that tells me something of like, well, you, cause then I'll be like, man, should I try to be hated? Cause it seems like a lot of like hate listens are out there. And I'm like, maybe that's a way to expand the audience is just to get as many people to hate me as possible. But like, to me, that would just, there wouldn't be fun in that. But again, so that's a great example. So there's the cruelty, right? They're hate listening because it feeds something in them that gets a charge and a rise out of like hating the person and then talking them, you know, talking shit about them. And so again, I just say this to say, we all have this in us. So if someone's sitting there saying like, I don't understand how Tom and Raquel could get off. I'm doing something so horrible to Ariana, which again, by the way, they did do something horrible to Ariana. And I think there's something really there for them to look at. But, you know, are you someone who hate listens to a podcast? You know what I mean? Like, do you like, I think there are all these places where we go in for the negative pleasure where something's being disowned in us. And I have to imagine if that person who's hate listening kind of really dropped in underneath that to find out like, what's going on here on a deeper level, there probably is some oh. unmet need in them that, you oh, know, Jamie, it, 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 it blows my mind because like, I think you speak so clearly and so beautifully about a lot of these topics and very fairly. And I really shoot from the hip a lot of the times. And I basically do, you know, most episodes are, are with a comedic bent, but it is interesting because, you know, you, I can tell that the podcast is becoming more successful because I now get like, not hate mail, but I'll get really strongly worded emails or something. And I, you know, like somebody wrote me like a diatribe. And by the second paragraph, I'm like, I mean, this is really simple. Just don't, don't listen to me. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, and by the way, I'm not even the smartest dude in the world, but I'm like, this seems really like an easy fix. Like, don't listen the, the time that you, and I'm just always blown away by, cause then I try to think about what that person's going through and what drove them to then write a very long multi-paragraphed email 
about something that I said or did. And, and I'm it's always very, it's always just very interesting to me. And that part of this is very, it scares me because I usually, but then at the same time, I do hate watch TV shows. I don't do it with podcasts, but I'll do it with TV shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think with that person who's writing you, it's like they want something to be seen and heard. That's kind of what I was saying with Tom, almost like, why would he do this affair rather than just coming clean with Ariana? Because I think there's a core rage in him that he wants to act out. He wants it to be like we're talking about with the, you know, like off with their heads. He wants that. He wants something to be nurtured. He thinks he's going to like make someone pay a price, you know, and it's kind of like it reminds me of Meredith Marks. It's like, why does she hold on to these grudges? It's like my feeling is there's some sort of unresolved rage in her that she's acting out in all these relationships because her inner child wants something seen or heard. And if she gives up her rage towards Lisa Barlow, it's like this feeling of, oh shit, this isn't getting seen or heard. So it's like, yeah, just that's what I'm saying. It's like negative pleasure, holding on to the rage, fueling anger. We all have our places where we do this. And I just think, unfortunately, this is where Tom and Raquel did it. And the last thing I'll say, though, because I do want to speak to the depth. Like we're saying, there's a there's a real cruelty to what they, it was destroyed. This isn't just hate listening to a podcast. It's like really <laughs> doing something yeah. towards Ariana. So I orchestrated, orchestrated almost. And it's deep. It's not like it's like breaking someone's heart. And I think that's part of what people are reacting to. So I want to acknowledge, obviously, this is deeper than yeah, hate listening to a podcast, but. And I can understand why for Tom and Raquel, they might not want to recognize this in in themselves because it's like, if I recognize this in myself, well, then I'm a horrible person. And what I would say to them and what I would say to your audience, I actually think, I mean, yes, I think they should feel the depth of their destruction. I think that's important for their, you know, just even their relationship to themselves, you know, atonement, making things right energetically. But I also think the depth of that viciousness I think mirrors the depth of their inner rage. And I think the depth of their inner rage mirrors what I would call the depth of their powerful energy. I just think these are strong individuals who have strong currents of energy that want to move through them. And that's why it's like, these are deep wells that are inside these two. And that's why I would want to support them to know the depth of their cruelty, to know the depth of their rage, so that they can also feel the depth of their strong, powerful energy. So, because imagine if that same energy that went towards fucking with Ariana and fucking with the world, imagine if that went towards like something constructive, you know? Like a hit hit song for Tom Sandoval and the most extras. Imagine it it could have been the song that saved the world, the we are the world of of, uh, the, the odds. Well, what I would say is maybe his energy would shift from a cheesy cover band into like Tom Sandoval writing his own original music, actually like getting his voice on point, (laughs) being a talented musical artist. And I mean, you're sort of joking about it, but I kind of feel like creating healing music that has like a powerful vibration where he's inviting people into his complicated through the looking glass. I mean, I totally can see Tom in his essence as like this sort of magician musician who's like writing about these sort of deep, powerful things. Like 
Yeah, he has this gift where he makes people feel really loved. So if that's really, you know, if you take that on the surface, that's a really powerful gift that he has. And, you know, if he could really, I mean, there's a real positivity in that. I just think this potentially, it just feels like this would be the time to be alone and to really dive into that creativity and the well of pain and all of this stuff before, because like this could be such a creative time for him. And that's the other thing too, is that in most relationships, when you get caught cheating, you usually beg to get your partner back. And that's why another, this was very different was that it wasn't like, let's get back together. It was like, yeah, this has been going on for a while. I think I'm in love, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think to your point, and you brought this question in. Yeah. I think in an ideal world, Tom would get out of the public eye, like screw fame for the moment, go find real help to help him understand why he did what he did, get in touch with these core wounds and then liberate his energy to go in constructive places. Cause you actually just helped me get kind of actually even clearer. What I would say is, I think this is really interesting. And I've actually said this before in reference to James Kennedy. I often think a lot of times the depth of someone's cruelty is actually also directly proportionate to the depth of love that they have to bring. And so I think that if Tom, was really hurt in his heart, which is like, that's what I feel. I feel like he got kind of fucked with around the place of his heart. I think, yeah, that depth of punishing rage and cruelty is directly proportionate to how much love he actually has to give. And so that's, that, again, that's where I feel my sadness. Cause I'm like, man, you could, this could be going in such a different place if you just were willing to make different choices, but that's where free will well, comes in. Jamie, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours like we just did. And this is, you know, really, I needed this. uh, I needed this talk, actually. This is a great talk for me to have right now. And I think for you guys to listen to. But I want to know if you want to keep that good feeling going, if you want to kind of look a little deeper than potentially I do a lot of the times, I think uh, Deep Dive with Jamie Stein is the place to go to. Really start off with that Scandal episode from a couple of weeks ago. And I know he's preparing a bunch of other episodes right now. So all you need to do is subscribe. That way it'll show up on your feed immediately when a new episode comes out also rated five stars you don't have to do that just on apple Podcasts. you can do that now on spotify as well and you know he's not releasing every day like i am so you want to really make sure you subscribe and hit that five stars so you can get that kind of placement i think you know this is such an important piece of this conversation so we don't get all like lopsided on a you know a, a you know just you want to have all sides not that you're speaking for Raquel and Tom, but we want a deeper understanding of these things that we are so passionate about. Is there anything else that we can support you at? What's your website, by the way? My website is hollywoodreadings.com. So yeah, if you're interested in my work, you can check it out there and email me. And then, yeah, if you're on Instagram, definitely follow me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. As you mentioned, my podcast schedule is does tend to be intermittent these days, but um, I'm recording a bunch more to get it back in regular rotation. But I always announce what I'm doing on Instagram. And there's also original content where I drop into people on Instagram. So it's a good uh, little hub. Guys, if you like amazing conversations, I'm telling you, this is really, you know, it really sucks you in and you sit there, you're shaking your head of like, yes, yes, yes. And I think that is so, so important for, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff that we so dearly love. So Jamie Stein, deep dive with Jamie Stein. And I'm going to put all 
all of those things in the show notes. So make sure you go support. And Jamie, thanks again, man. I, by the way, Sandra, I asked Sandra to reach out to Jamie. I'm like, yeah, I want him on. And she was like, he was like, he asked what he what wanted to talk about. I was like, I don't care. I just want him on. Like, I don't, I, I'll talk about it. Like, you know, we can talk about anything, you know? So, uh, but thank you for doing this again. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I, it's so fun to, to be with you. And I, yeah, your energy is infectious. So um, it's my pleasure. So thank you for having me. So no more shorts and sandies, but we will do a sandwich at something about her when I'm back in Los Angeles. Yeah, because they have drinks too, right? Yeah, they have drinks too. Then it's a one-stop shop. <laughs> is it open yet? Or when's it opening? No, not open. But I think in a couple months it'll be open. All right. All right. Okay. It'll be a plan before I leave LA. Betches.